welcome to episode 6 of uh, DNS Tech Talk Friday. I'm Karamjit Singh and welcome also to Leadernomics FM, the hottest and only radio station you need to know about. Uh, this week we're going to have a couple of stories and all three of us are in the studio present, uh, in present, uh, in biological form because the last show uh, Zoff was uh, Skyping in from the lovely city of Kuching. Uh, so we're going to talk about one story is about Exabytes, which is one of the leading hosting and, and uh, you know, uh, e-commerce uh, uh, companies in Southeast Asia, how they're spreading their tentacles throughout Southeast Asia. And then we've got an interesting story from Zoff, who's going to talk about blockchain and Ponzi slash pyramid schemes. And then we're going to move on to Kiran, who's got an interesting story from uh, Tun Mahathir, yep, our leader, who was, speak, who was the keynote at the recent Perdana CEO Forum. And Tun was talking about, and Tun has brought back the concept of Malaysia Incorporated 2.0. And if we have time after that, we're going to go on to how uh, Property Guru is making it easier for you to decide if you pre-qualify for loans. So with that, we'll jump into my story first. And this is on, of course, Exabytes. And they just uh, uh, made an announcement yesterday about acquiring a company in Indonesia called Master Web Network. Of course, for most of us, we would have not have heard of a company like that. But they are, according to Chan, the largest uh, uh, web hosting company in Indonesia. And they have been the largest since 2004. So they've got, according to Chan, about uh, 30,000, uh, 40,000. They've got 40,000 active paying customers. And with this acquisition now, because Exabytes itself went into Indonesia two years ago on their own. Organically, they've grown the market. Uh, to, together combined now, they've got over 55,000 active paying customers in Indonesia. Now, what's interesting is, Chan, when Exabytes went in, they went in in the premium category for Indonesia. But he said that very quickly in the same year, they realized that if you want to go deep in the market, you've got you to compete on price too. And he smartly, instead of deciding uh, to, to you know, uh, uh, undercut their own offerings or you know, starting with premium, they say, okay, we'll have, we'll have a... Uh, a market competitive price too. They didn't go that way. They kept theirs at premium and they looked for uh, somebody in the market to acquire. And he said it was actually mutual. Both parties at that time, this company uh, was interested in uh, looking for an acquisition. They were looking to, I think the founders were looking to sell out this master web network, which I'll call uh, uh, MWN. And then he was looking to acquire. So it's a mutual agreement for both of them to come together. And he acquired 100% of the company. Very interesting. And the agreement was made way before, but he said in Indonesia, it takes a lot longer to get all the approvals from, from the government when you make an acquisition, a full acquisition of a local company. So that, that being done, he said that they're going to be investing into uh, uh, this company in its technology, in automation and talent to help MWN to further improve its service offerings in Indonesia. So Chan's quite excited. And even more, he said that, look, there are a few more uh, uh, acquisitions coming this year. You know, in, in the Southeast Asia region. So he even made acquisition, he's even made acquisitions in Singapore. So he's nicely positioning himself now, you know, uh, as, uh, to be a, the, lead, the leading, you know, uh, web hosting company in Southeast Asia. Now, he already has the group, Exabytes Group, as a total, has over 150,000 active paying customers now. So that's a, a, a very large amount, right? I actually didn't ask him because when you're on the web, your customers can come from all over the world. I didn't ask him what's the breakdown of customers from within the region and from outside of Southeast Asia. But what's interesting thing is that 
he's very quietly built Exabytes into you know the leading regional uh, Southeast Asian web hosting company without any glamour. If you know if you know Chan, who's based in Penang, he's a very low profile and polite and humble to a fault entrepreneur. So you know you when you get to know him, you're rooting for him to to win because you know they say nice guys can come out on top in first, right? Chan really gives you that kind of impression. Very soft spoken and and all around good guy. So. It's great for him and, and looking forward to seeing them making more acquisitions. And of course, what's interesting about Chan is that I think that Equinas, which is a, a local private equity company, take a stake in them also. We, we wrote that story last month. And Equinas, for Equinas, they said that, look, the digital economy is the economy of the current, of the present and the future, right? So we want to have a stake and ride on the future economy of the world and betting on digital players like this is the best way for us to go. So they got to, uh, of course, uh, Equinas being very, uh, uh, you know, uh, secretive, I would say, you know, did not announce how much they injected in, how much they paid. But Chan did tell me that he's, he has a, he, he will, some of the money is a cash out for the founders and the key senior, some of the management team. And the rest is, of course, the vast bulk of the acquisition is for working capital for the company to grow bigger and to make acquisitions like this. Which is why Chan says they're gonna there are a few more acquisitions coming. So uh, good job, Chan Exabytes. You know, look forward to see you all seeing doing more wonderful things. And we'll wrap up that segment now. And uh, just to let you know that we've got probably the leading uh, you know a web hosting company in Southeast Asia based out of uh, Penang in Malaysia. And now we're gonna move to Zoff, who's gonna talk about blockchain and Ponzi. Well, th thank you, thanks, Kara. Uh, yeah, so this is an article that's been in, in floating around mm -hmm. for a while and okay. fin finally grounded, not this week, but probably sometime next week, right? Yes. Um, there, is, there was this rather infamous uh, company called OneCoin. Uh, OneCoin. Yeah, okay. which was then found out to be a scam. I mean, there's no two ways of saying about it. Okay. And, and what that has resulted in is that people are starting to be arrested around the world. Mm. And just earlier this week, uh, two Singaporeans were facing trial in court. Mm. Already, uh, for, yeah? Oh. Yeah, for their, yes, for their part in, in marketing the scheme. To oh, wow. Even marketing it. Huh? Yeah, so yeah. they may or may not have known that it's illegal, right? So that's... Uh, well, that's, that's, the, so that's the case that needs to be made, right? right. And, and I think... I think the, the question is, if you are just an individual investor, so mm -hmm. Karam, you know, one day you're at home and then you get a message from one of your friends saying, yeah. hey, you know, this is a really interesting scheme right. and everything. Um, you might sign up to it without knowing whether it's a scam or not course, a scam. Yeah. You wouldn't yes, know. Yes. But certainly, uh, 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 if you're a little bit higher up the chain, there are certain things that should have raised red, red flags. Mm. And, and perhaps for that reason, they might be liable. Okay. Just to explain, one coin looked presented itself as another cryptocurrency okay. that people could uh, yeah. uh, take part in. the uh, in Bulgarian, in, right? The founder and his sister? Yeah, the, the, there's a brother and sister involved. Yeah. And one has been arrested right. and the other one is still on the lamb, yes. as they say. Um, I don't know what lambs have to do. No, it's just not how you spell it, I know. <laughs> but, okay. but, uh, but what happened was it, it presented itself as a cryptocurrency, yeah. but actually the whole thing was a fraud. Wow. The whole thing was completely fake. Unbelievable. So, so, and they've been around for almost like eight years, right? It's yeah, they've been, well, they've been around for a very long time. Yeah. And, and I was doing research for this. I was seeing as far back as 2016, mm -hmm. uh, people were saying this is a scam. Oh, this must okay. be a scam okay. because it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Why doesn't it make sense? Well, first, they didn't actually sell 
one coins. Okay. They sold educational material, okay. but you bought them in a package and uh, you would get these tokens. Okay. Are these tokens coins? No. no. You had to submit the token to the company okay. and the company would then generate coins okay. and give you the coins. Yeah, coins. So what that resulted in is like nobody could see what was doing when yeah. it was generating coins. So that, that, was, that should have been the first... First thing, uh, red saying, flag, right? Yeah. Red flag, right? So it wasn't a public network mm-hmm. uh, of, yeah. of, of or miners. Traded on one of exchanges, also. Yeah. Yes, um, and 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 you could only see it on. Uh, you could only see it if you were part of the company. Yeah, it took up to two weeks for your coins to get generated. Mm. So I think that sort of built anticipation, right? It's like, yeah. oh, you know, it's, it's taking two weeks because there's so much demand. Yeah, it's That's so why real. <laughs> you have to take so oh, long. Wow. Look at the psychology. Yeah? Yes, it's actually, play. when you read the websites and mm-hmm. some of the websites are still up and okay. running oh, okay. and, and you wouldn't know that they are a scam, obviously, when oh, you read the websites. Okay. But it's okay. actually very, um, written quite well in, a, in mm-hmm. the sense that it sounds legitimate. Okay. Okay. The other thing that was a red flag was that uh, they would, you could only exchange these coins into fiat currency, okay. real currency, yep. if you did it on this one particular exchange, okay. which was obviously operated by one coin. Oh, and, one coin also. Okay. And, and, and you not, not just anybody could mm-hmm. come out and exchange, you had to be registered as a trader, oh, which cost okay. you 550 euros. Wow. And then the amount that would uh, exchange in a certain day was limited. Limited. Oh, so it was very difficult yeah, to, okay. to sort of cash out yeah, your, cash your, out your and, one coin stat. So yeah. that was the second red flag. Okay. And then the third red flag was that they gave you bonuses for recruiting your friends and uh, families. Now, okay. you Fat should... bonuses. <laughs> yes. So, you, you know, for the first guy, you get 10% yeah, extra yeah. coins, you know. <laughs> so there were clearly plenty of coins to give out yeah, if you could get you your friends and family to come mm-hmm. in. And that in itself should have then rung the alarm bells. This is a pyramid scheme, mm-hmm. right? This is a multi-level marketing scam mm-hmm. where the money... But I cont- would have a problem with that. You know, there are a lot of multi-level marketing, you know, organizations out there which are not scams, right? You look at uh, Causeway, yeah. right? You look at Mway. I mean, you start with the big two, right? So, yes. to, so you, to say multi-level marketing scam, uh, I, I think that feels like an old... Olden days perception of of, of L- MLM. So yes, I think they're just using, they're using MLM as a way to to scam people. Yes, not necessarily that all MLMs are a scam, yeah, but right. yes, you're right. You're right that just because an MLM doesn't mean you're a scam. Yeah, um, I mean the the big difference is where is your money, where your profits coming from. Coming from. So in the cases of MLMs where you're selling genuine products mm-hmm. and the whole business of recruiting people to join your team yep. of sellers is then you have a larger um, stream. You, know, you, you have more people that can sell yeah, products. Pipeline, uh, you like, a like, larger pipeline. And therefore, you get more profits. So the profits is li- linked to the sales of the product. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in this particular case, what was really happening was that the money that the new investors brought in were paying off the old investors. Paying off the old investors. So... What is the solution to all this? Well, the glib way to say is buyer beware. You've got to yeah, be more careful. Of course, always, always. But uh, when I talk to Malaysians who... And Malaysians say this is happening in the crypto scene in Malaysia. Before the regula- the SC started trying to regulate this, there was clearly a lot of this stuff happening in Malaysia okay, as okay, well, okay. maybe on a smaller scale. Mm-hmm. Um, they all said, well, regulation is important. What the SC is doing is mm. meant to protect the in, uh, customer in, in, in that sort of way. Yep, yep. Uh, but at the end of the day, I feel 
a lot of it has to do, and it's not just crypto, but it's about any other Ponzi scheme that you see in Malaysia, mm. is that if you don't fully understand what the product is, mm. it makes sense to pause, mm-hmm. talk to someone who understands what it yeah. is, and then, and then let them advise you. Okay, That okay. would be what I say. Mm. Okay, that makes sense. So I think, like you said, buyer beware. And, but you know, when we wrote about this, is that because there's a Malaysian link also? Well, when, when I talked to uh, uh, Harpreet uh, um, Singh, he, he said that, yeah, the, I mean... this Blockline, is, right? Yeah, yeah Blockline, block the yeah. CEO, uh, founder of Blockline. Yeah. He said, yeah, there's uh, a lot of uh, crypto schemes in Malaysia that basically look, look oh, like, wow. uh, like they're actually not legitimate. Okay. Um, and and, and it's, it's easy for... Well, part of the reason is because digital assets by their nature right now, uh, very volatile. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, and, and your average investor would not understand yep. behind it. So your average investor does not have the skill to look into the, into the ledger for the blockchain yeah, and so then course, say, yes, this is a, you know, a legitimate transaction yeah. or not legitimate. That was one of the issues with OneCoin, that people were looking at the so-called ledger that uh-huh. was published on the website and they said, yes, look, I'm transferring coins around and I'm not seeing evidence of that uh, showing up on okay, the ledger. Okay. Um, uh, and the other one, of course, is that it's purely based, uh, right, I mean, right now it's like purely based on speculation, right? So Correct. the prices can go up yeah, really, yeah, really course, fast. Yeah. So it, it looks really attractive. But fundamentally, they're only based on, on the demand from people who want to make money to make rather money. than the demand of people who want to use it in some you legitimate manner. Okay. Interesting. All right. Well, well, we'll leave it at that now. We're going to take a short break and we're going to come back with uh, and find out more about Toon M and uh, Malaysia Incorporated 2.0. Ever wondered what leadership is all about? Is it developed over time? Or are people just born with it? We believe there is a science behind leadership and we want to help you understand it. Take this journey with us as we hear from renowned leaders from all over the world over our range of shows, tackling key spaces in different industries today. Leadernomics, the science of building leaders. And we're back. Uh, Just a quick correction from the earlier uh, discussion. When I was saying that uh, Equinas is, is, uh, you know, private and, and doesn't want the amount of investment to be known, actually I transposed my thinking because Chan was not able to share with me how much they had paid for the investment in uh, for the acquisition of uh, MWN, you know, the Indonesian uh, uh, cloud provider. So that was what uh, he was not able to share with me. But when Equinas announced that they had invested in uh, in Exabytes, which was early last month, they did announce that he they took a a forty percent stake for forty four million ringgit. And what's even more interesting is that there's already a a, a, a second level of investment up to 54% that they can take based on exabytes, you know, hitting certain targets. And the valuation and the, and the cost of taking that extra investment has already been decided in the contract they signed now. So just to clarify that, Equinize has taken, you know, a, a, a 40% stake in exabytes. So they are now enjoying the upside of investing in a digital company. So with that now, uh, the, the mic is yours, Kiran. Okay, I have a story on Tun M. So he delivered the closing address at the Perdana CEO Forum last week yep. on April 4th. 
and his topic was on Malaysia Incorporated. Malaysia Incorporated 2.0. Mm-hmm. Essentially, this is an old concept that was introduced when he was Prime Minister the first time first round. Time. And he has brought it back this time. Um, so... He he also during his speech he also recognized a few companies that have done well, mm-hmm. uh, tech companies that have done well on the global stage. He m- mentioned Fusion X, okay. uh, Sedania, iFlix, Les Copac. Les Copac, yeah. Also, so well, uh, uh, Les Copac and iFlix are actually re- really content companies, right? Yeah. Not well, well yeah. Les Copac more so than I mean iFlix yeah. is more like a content delivery, yes. and Les Copac is. Definitely content creation. Yeah, correct, because they they deli- they create their own content, right? Whereas yes. iFlix doesn't. Although they do now, Some. iFlix does has started producing mm-hmm. its own content since last year. Yeah, but okay. Any anyway, uh, segue from the Kiran back to you. <laughs> so, uh, in line with Malaysia 2.0, yep. um, Tun M actually spoke about what it needed for it to be successful, mm, okay. and he mentioned public-private collaboration has to be there. Uh, instead of both parties being confrontational of one another, mm-hmm. he thinks the collaboration is very important. And he also mentioned... Interesting. I think that's probably for him to emphasize that, which is a given, right? You must have this collaboration. But probably from from his first experience as Prime Minister, he found that there was more confrontation between the two parties than there was collaboration. Yeah. Which is why I'm guessing he's stressing on the collaborative partner. I mean, Karam, you and I both lived through version 1.0 of this, yes, right? Yes, yes, I did and too. Oh, you did too? But you look so young. I was seven <laughs> years old. Oh, you're seven. <laughs> Shouldn't yeah, have disclosed still that. Playing marbles like that time, right? No, I mean, I mean, I'll come back to this later. But there was not everything was rosy, or, yes. or maybe there was. Maybe I should say there were lots of thorns with the roses yes. with version 1.0. Yeah. Yeah, and to quote him directly, he mm. said the public sector must not put up bureaucratic roadblocks that okay. hinder potentially beneficial projects or economic progress. And he also said the government needs to ensure that bureaucratic procedures and requirements do not stifle innovation and mm. progress. He's, so he's double emphasis, man. Huh? So he's speaking from the perspective yeah. of the public sector there. And from experience too. I, yeah. think, I think there's also the undertone that there are those in the public sector who are perhaps actively blocking in mm. order to... Yeah. Um, that That's the other... Situation. Which has brought up also. And I think that's also acknowledgement that mm. um, our regulation, for our regulators to move forward too, with UC Securities Commission coming up with the digital asset regulation and stuff. So that's another thing to support the industry, I suppose. Regulation just makes things clear, right? What you can do, what you cannot do. Okay. And... Um, so Malaysia Inc. It's based on a. It's actually based on Japan's rebuilding efforts after the Second World War, mm, okay. and he he made it very clear that this is no copy and paste. Okay. Um. It's a. It's a concept that he adapted. Okay. Um, and while it sounds like uh, Malaysia Incorporated sounds like you're making Malaysia into a company, he clarified that is not the case. Mm-hmm. He stresses that it's important for all sectors yep. to work together, like different departments in an organization, uh, to work towards one common goal, which is basically developing the country. Developing the country, okay. But then one, okay, and? And making it, uh, making our economy more robust. But I guess one, one drag on developing the economy and making it a digital economy is that so, and even even Tun mentioned it, correct? Yeah. 70% of the Malaysian labour force have uh, uh, have a SPM, you know, qualify. I don't even whether no, you can call it qualification, but have an SPM level education, yeah. 70%. Yeah. And what, what did Tun say about that? So, um, he says reskilling them is extremely important because hmm. right now, our, our SMEs especially, especially are so reliant okay. on cheap, low-skilled labour that okay. in, instead... It, we need to push them forward to digitalizing instead of this 
reliance. Adopting technology, yeah. He, 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 that is a common theme in many of his, his uh, speeches also, right? Um, yeah. yeah. SMEs need to move away from being labor intensive and yep. not necessarily low cost labor, but just labor intensive, you know, and moving into you know, automation and using AI and, and, you know, whatever technology that helps you be more competitive. Yeah, yep. that's definitely a concern of his. But I think I was a bit disappointed with that speech because I was expecting him to come up with substantive policy announcement, right? Mm. Because even with the IR 4.0, which is Malaysians, you know, IR forward, right? It is not really very substantive as in, you know, by by twenty tw- end of 2020, we expect this to happen. By 2022, we want this to happen. So none of that. Okay. Uh, and, and I think you need to get a bit more detail to put some targets that are measurable. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, then it's just too, too high mean, level, too vague. The thing and is, that's not good, actually. I mean, and he's a man in a hurry more than all of us. So he, <laughs> he should be pushing for, uh, for stuff like that. I mean, the, the thing is that when this, the parallels between this and when the MSC started out okay. was so great, mm-hmm. right? Because when, when the MSC was and started... And you were there. And I was, I was there. I was right there. Right in, I don't know, in the middle of it all. Yep. Uh, when they started up in 1997 mm-hmm. uh, or thereabouts... Um, 96, I was there at the launch. Uh, 96, actually. In Cyber, Technically yeah. 96. I joined, Palm Oil Plantation, yes. I joined in 97, <laughs> that's why. Okay. Um, the, the, the emphasis was... And I see a similar thing happening now. The emphasis was that we need to use technology mm-hmm. in order to leapfrog. Yeah. That was the phrase we used. They right? don't use leapfrog now. But they don't use thing. leapfrog Because we already have adopted technology to a certain extent. Yeah. Well, so not leapfrog. You're, you are now seeing countries like Vietnam potentially leapfrogging. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and, 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 and the thing is, the message was going out mm-hmm. that yes using IT to help you do your work yes. better is incredibly important. It's but what was the, 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 the gap I was, was this understanding of what exactly that means. Mm-hmm. And it's happening now again for Industry 4.0. That now people are getting familiar with the phrase. Yeah. People understand that there's an mm-hmm. urge and yes, a need. Yes, yes, yes. But what exactly does it mean? Now, it calls to mind what Kazana did with the various GLCs with their uh, their colourful books program okay, yep, yep. that rainbow of books yes, right yep. it's meant to help improve productivity yeah. you know improve leadership yeah. right you sort of need some guy in the middle of it all okay. that people can turn to and say ah yes that's what you mean by this and I don't think you need a person in the middle you know because then somebody's going to say hey we've got to set up an agency I, I know industry 4.0 agency no because I, I so in the next issue and here's a teaser I because I, I witnessed the graduation Ceremony of uh, uh, hosted by the Malaysian Plastic Manufacturers Association, and four of their companies went through a a one year program uh, with with four modules that are, that are around manufacturing 4.0, and they had uh, the hundred hundred workers from this these four companies went through it, ranging from shop floor workers to executives to senior management, and they went through it, and then sixty nine passed. Mm-hmm. And uh, not not necessarily all four. Mo- I think only three workers took all four modules and passed. But it's a very interesting. Uh, it was very interesting for me to be there and hear how this association, plastic manufacturer, is so on the ball. You know, with getting the whole industry moving forward to 4.0. But this is a very good story. We'll we'll discuss at the next uh, at the next podcast. But definitely, I'm going to say that there are some uh, industry bodies which are you know uh, uh, right there and know what's what's going and what's happening. And they've already started moving, and and definitely the Malaysian Plastic Manufacturers Association is leading the, the you know among all the industry groups in Malaysia. So we'll we'll t- we'll handle more of that later. But I think we may still have a quick minute if uh, Kiran, 
Yeah. You want to talk about what property guru is trying to do in in making you know a property acqu- uh, uh, the acquire acquisition of property more doable. <laughs> yeah. So property guru. That sounded very clumsy the way I said it. But anyway, you're fifty seconds now. <laughs> property guru has introduced their home loan pre-approval um, okay. platform. So basically, mm-hmm. you can go on their website, okay. register, and then you can. Uh, upload your IC mm-hmm. and Ooh, your la la, income. Upload your IC, yeah. Would you trust property guru? Your income IC, range. Right? Okay. Income uh, range, once okay. you key that in, it tells you how much of loan you most likely qualify for. Even your IC, why is that? Oh, to determine your age, because that's an important factor. Right? When banks, you know, do their calculation of. of I, I, I guess it's yeah. part of the bank's KYC also. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean that's a good question. Whether they are that they're onboarding customers. Maybe is is the point of it that once you sign up with this with your IC and everything. Yeah. Then it's literally a click of a button to get your loan. Okay, so what it does mm-hmm. is, once you upload that, and then it, uh, you have your range there, what yes. you qualify for. Okay. It recommends properties that are within that range. Oh, okay. And then let's say you like a property, you click on that property, and then it tells you, okay, now you may proceed to apply for loans with our partners. Oh, that's interesting. So what you're saying is, they you you key in this little financial data, yeah, and then they say, okay, you you're looking at a house in Bangsa, and then maybe their recommendation come back, uh, Karamjit for. For for your financial profile, uh, we suggest you look at Kuala Kubu Baru or 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 Rompin, <laughs> right? And you can get some really nice property there. <laughs> that would be really depressing, man. R- Rompin, <laughs> uh, Rompin, uh, ah, Rompin, the Rompin is the is Good the hotspot now. <laughs> yes. So yeah. I'm just saying, like, we're kind of funny. Like, if you're looking for property, Bangsa, Sunday come back. Like, uh, I think Karamjit. Oh, we suggest you look in Rompin. Or, no, no disrespect to all okay. the good folks in Rompin. So, what's in it for property yes. group to do, to do this? Well, we asked. The, I guess it's um, mm. the properties itself, just to make it easier for those that are looking for property mm. to own properties. They linked it back to their own your home program. Okay. And their goal mm. of helping Malaysians basically okay. own yep. homes. And right now, they are saying ninety two percent of Malaysians express their interest of purchasing properties. Okay. Uh, that was a research by Property Guru, oh, but okay. home rejection, uh, home loan rejection rates stand at sixty yeah, uh, percent last higher. year. Okay. Okay, that's interesting. I think I think uh, really the edge started this with with their you know uh, edge property, right? They came up with that home you know uh, home loan, uh, but they're very interesting crowdsourcing way for you to own a home and. You know, there was some talk later that it was mm. not not the uh, uh, not within regulations or whatever. But I think it is. You, you had a fin- finance minister and the prime minister that the launch. So it has raised the bar for other property portals to say, hey, what more can we do to help? Mm. And I think that's all good. So we're going to see even more innovation in the space. And with that, we end this episode of uh, DNA's TED Talk. And we'll see you back in two weeks' time with a few more interesting stories. <laughs> You've been listening to Leadernomics FM, the science of building leaders.